Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing again. Believe That's right. When you don't know what to do, just keep on breathing from the city of angels in Los Angeles uh, and a very hoarse and sore throat from uh, (laughs) uh, Los Angeles. This is the first time I've ever been sick recording a show, but, you know, the show must go on, as they say. So please forgive my scratchy voice. I'm going to make sure my guest does most of the talking. So welcome to all my listeners out there in Radio Land. I'm Dave, the caregiver's caregiver at caregiverdave.com. We're also coming to you live and on demand 24-7 on numerous syndicated radio podcast networks, including iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, Spreaker, SoundCloud, oh, and a whole bunch more. In fact, we're proud to be voted number one caregiver podcast of the top, the top 50 on Player FM, and number two on Feedspot, and number two on CaringVillage.com. And we are excited to have on the show uh, Gerard Long. And uh, before we get to him, I just want to thank my last week's guest, Dr. David Chatka, founder and director of Spirit Equip Ministries. And just a reminder that all of our interviews, including last week's and the one we're doing today, will appear on our membership website, caregiverdave.com, as well as all the other networks that I mentioned earlier. All right. Well, uh, Gerard, welcome to the show. Hi, Dave. It's good to be on your show, and I'm so, so sorry to, about your, your voice. It's um, that's such a shame. I know, I know the feeling well. It is such a shame. Usually, if I get sick, it just gives me a very nice, deep voice, but I've never had strep throat before, and so I got to go and get some uh, penicillin or something. Um, so why don't you take a moment? I like to ask my guests just who is Gerard, and why was he placed on this earth? Well, I, I'm uh, an author. I'm a, a pastor. Uh, I was a former banker uh, for for thirty odd years, and uh, I'm a Brit. You can probably tell from my accent, but I'm also an American citizen as well. I've lived in the in the US for thirty for twenty years, and um, I'm I'm a person of faith. So I was involved, um, as I say, with pastoring a church in London for uh, 22 years and also involved with the leading an organization called Alpha, Alpha USA. Uh, we started our own ministry um, uh, called Awakening to God Ministries, but I'm, I'm currently uh, working as an executive director of a ministry called Prayer at the Heart. And I've recently ri- written a book called Living Hope, which is a story um, of a journey that my wife and I went through, uh, with unbelievable journey. You can hardly believe the things that uh, we've we've got we've journeyed through, and really, it's a it's a story of God's grace. We call it God's grace to us, where He basically enables us to journey through unbelievable suffering. Wow, that's quite a story. So. Um, did I understand that uh, you had died and come back to life again, or do I have my stories mixed up? No, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. 
on the on the twenty sixth of October, twenty nineteen, I was I went round to a friend's house in Malibu, uh, California. To, My favorite city. Yes, we we lived there for seven years. One, we'd had a great time there, and I went to to watch uh, England play New Zealand in the rugby. Uh, World Cup semi-final. It was being streamed from Tokyo, so it was 1 a.m. in the morning. And England scored first try after two minutes. My friends looked over to me, expecting me to be jumping all over the place. In fact, I was slumped in my chair. They thought it was a seizure, but in actual fact, I was having a massive cardiac arrest. How old were you at the time? At the time, I was 60, 61 years old. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and I, I was very fit, cycling, swimming, tennis, wow. you name it, I was doing it. I had been getting a little bit of tightness in my chest when I was cycling up a hill, but I dismissed it as something, you know, as a lung issue or something like that. Yeah, I'm a cyclist that, also. Are you? Okay, yeah. So I was, I was, I, had, I went for that morning, my wife persuaded me finally to go and get, a, get a, an EKG checked, which I did, and they said, you're fine, go away, you're fine. So it's literally just several hours later on, this happened, and uh, my things things kicked things kicked in at that time. Bizarre things kicked in because um, my friends, my one of my friends, as a young guy, I was sort of mentoring him. He sort of get this got this download from God to get me on the ground and start pumping my chest. Well. So they, they did that. Um, they'd also called, obviously, for the, the uh, 911. Anyway, um, they, they were trying to revive me. I, I was flatlined. There was no, there was no pulse. There was no breathing. Um, my friend called his wife down. She was asleep upstairs. She was a former nurse. She came down, took my pulse and everything, and said, I'm sorry, he's, he's dead. He's gone. Uh, in which case, these two young, young lads, I mean, they were early 20s, they just wouldn't accept that. <laughs> I was dead. And, and you, were, you were not in a hospital, right? You were out. No, no. I was in a friend's house, a long way from hospital. The statistics are that only 6% of people who have a cardiac arrest outside of a hospital survive. And of those who survive, 90% have massive um, brain damage. And did these two lads have any training in CPR or anything like that? N- not at all. Never done it before in their lives. They were just pounding on your chest, trying to keep your heart Beating. They were just pressing, yeah, 30 times. One did mouth to mouth as well. To So it was that went on for 10 minutes, nothing. Then the first responders came in. They took over for another 20 minutes, and they were also doing electric shocks to the heart. They did six or seven of that, of those, and they were, they were about to say to my, my, my friends, I'm sorry, we've done everything we can. It's, that's yeah. it. And my, my, these two young lads wouldn't, still wouldn't accept that I was dead. And they said, do, just do one more, do one more. And they did one more, and they found a heartbeat. Wow. And so they rushed me to the UCLA, Santa Monica, and um, uh, they revived me. They took me down for an MRI, and the, the, the medic came out shouting, it's a miracle, it's a miracle. Um, he's got no brain damage. And so here I am, here I am today. So anyway... I, you know, obviously on, when I came round, eventually came round in the ICU, I'm, I'm lying on my bed. I'm thinking, God, why, why am I still here? How, how, how come I've been given more, more life to live here on this earth? And I felt, I felt God wanted me to share the things that he'd shown me, the things that I'd learned in a period of unbelievable suffering. 
between the, the dates of 2005 and 2014, I, I had gone on beyond that. And so that's why I wrote the book Living Hope. And, you know, it was, it's a book for the suffering. It's a book for people who are going through tough times. Of course, the last two years or so, we've some millions, millions of people, or probably billions of people around the, around the world have been going through unbelievable suffering. And so we've been able to help online through our ministry. Literally last year, we, we reached 42 million people just giving messages of comfort and hope and uh, encouraging people, don't give up, keep going, and, and pointing them towards God, because I say I'm a person of faith, that there's another lens through which you can look at life. And when you look at life through this other lens, it makes a lot of difference. So you are a man of faith. Did you have that faith before, or did you become? Yes, there's no idea. After? I, I, How did it affect your faith before and after? Well, the, the, the cardiac uh, arrest, um, so, I mean, it, it strengthened my faith because it, it, the, I, I would say it was God's sovereignty, that it was over everything that happened, and I could see, I could see him using it, turning it around for good. Uh-huh. Now, when I went through the period of suffering, that was, that was, that was the real journey of faith um, because it's when, when things don't go to plan, um, that's, that's when you have to ask big questions. You know, does, cause does, is there a God? If there is a God, does he love me? Um, is there a devil? Has he, is he stronger than God? Because how come this bad thing's happened to me? Um, what's going on? My wife, in two, in, uh, after, I'll, I'll just share, my, in 2005, our youngest son, Alex, he was just 17, took a drug, became delusional, and committed suicide. We, we, we had a beautiful marriage for, for 24 years and uh, we've been trying to serve God with all of our hearts. And now this happened. So my wife went from shock to horror to anger, to hatred. She hated herself. She hated me. There's the thing with suicide. It's not just that you grieve for the lost one, but you, you blame. Why didn't you see it happening? Why didn't you do something about it? And then she lost her faith for, for two years. Wow. And she just couldn't reconcile how a loving God could have allowed this to happen. So that was hell. And we went through a really tough, she wanted to leave me. Um, so apparently 19 out of 20 marriages often will fail after a suicide of a child. Sure, sure. That was a book all by itself. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I, I, she went, she ran away. Did you write that book or not yet? No, I've written it. I've written it. It's, um, and it's out there. It's a, it's a, it's Amazon bestseller. Um, it's just called Living Hope. Um, the subtitle is Awakening Faith, Faith, Peace, and Purpose. But it also includes your uh, your cardiac arrest, right? Yeah. Purpose. Um, and, in, the, in, and the suicide. And the suicide. So you're covering um, multiple uh, themes there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's an unbelievable journey. It's, I mean, it, you know, we, we can hardly believe the journey ourselves. And yet, when, 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 you, when you look through Scripture and you look through history, you see that actually you won't find anyone in the Bible, for example, who, who God used who didn't suffer. Uh-huh. That God turns it round for good, I believe. He turned, and that's my belief in all that we went through, that God was going to turn it around for good. I, I believe also my, my, my son, Alex, and eight years after Alex, my daughter had a tragic accident and she drowned. So it's a, a second child. In between that, my brother died of cancer. My sister died of cancer. My, my, my wife's ne- nephew died in a car accident. So it was unbelievable grief. Um, 
And I believe all of them are going to see in heaven. I believe that they they are in heaven now. We, we, we desperately miss them every day. Of course we do. Um, but it's not the end of the story. And well, I, I have to know. ask you the, the $5 million question. Uh, do you agree with this uh, six-year-old girl who painted a picture of Jesus who also died? And she, does Jesus look like that? <laughs> <laughs> I, I've seen that before. Um, the, the answer is I, I don't know what happened to her. You didn't meet him while you were uh, down there? No, there? no. That, that, that's one of like, the first questions people ask me. What did you see? You know, did you have a, did you have a tour of heaven? Because <laughs> a, a blackout? You don't remember anything? I, I don't remember anything at all. Not, nothing. The, you, the one bizarre you thing didn't was... didn't see the light, huh? I didn't see any light. I, didn't, I don't remember anything. Now, maybe I will later on. I don't know. But one bizarre thing that happened was that they put me into a 24-hour coma, which is apparently quite common to help you recover. And they told my wife, who got to the hospital um, after about, I think it was about six hours maybe, from, well, maybe less than that. And they said, the medic said, look, you can go home, have, have some rest because it's going to be a long recovery now. He won't wake up for at least 24 hours. Um, normally we have to weigh them up. So she got home and literally as she got in, the phone was ringing and, and the medic saying, this is, uh, this is very bizarre. He's woken up. Not only, not only is he woken up, he's trying to get out of bed and get on with some sort of task. We've had to tie him to the bed. <laughs> so my, so my, wife, my wife goes back, Jeannie goes back into the hospital and there I am tied to the bed. I'm muttering something like, I must, I must get on with the task. I must get on with the task. And, I, and so that's bizarre. I don't, why, why was that happening? Do you remember I, that? I don't remember that. No, don't remember that. I, so, I, you know, my, my theory is maybe God gave me an assignment and I don't, you know, it was all happening in the subconscious. I don't know. And, and I felt this urgency to get on with, with the task. And that's one of the things I'm, I'm doing now is, is a, it's a, it's a very high calling to this current ministry that I'm working in, which is tied into the ATG one. Well, what did he tell you to do? Why is, what is your purpose? Why are you still here? Well, the, what do you well, hope people will get out of the book? Yeah. The, 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 the awakening to God ministry, which is pointed to in the book um, is a message for people who are suffering is that God, God is with you in that and that he feels your pain. There was a time when I used, I used to get up in the middle of the night and cry out to God, and I I felt an arm around me one of these one of these nights when I was crying, and it was so real. I looked up to see who was there, and there was no one physically there, but I had I had a sense a strong sense that actually it was Jesus with me, and it, and He was weeping with me, and it sort of came home to me really clearly that that God feels everybody's pain on this earth, and if people are weeping if they're going through struggles if they've lost loved ones if they're struggling with mental health issues depression suicidal thoughts all of that just to let you know that there's a god who who sees everything and and he feels your pain now the obvious question from that is people say well why doesn't he stop it all and the answer is he is going to there's going to be a time a day when this age i would say (laughs) thank god when when this age comes to an end and then we go on into the rest of eternity and depending on whether you've accepted God or rejected God, you'll either be with him or you'll be apart from him. God respects our decisions. So another question I have is um, how soon do you think we're running out of time? Uh, how soon um, before things are going to happen? 
Well, no, the scripture says you can't, no one knows the day and the hour. So I would never try and predict. Well, we can know the season, right? Well, you're right. Exactly right. It does say that Jesus said you should know the, the signs of the times was the phrase he used. And the signs of the times basically is what's happening in society today. Does it tie up with prophecies in scripture? Does it, does it tie, in, tie up with common sense? Yeah. Do these feel like the days of Noah? Yeah. Or, or, or worse. I mean, for example, are, are natural resources running out? Are there things in the universe that are starting to wear out? The ozone layer would be an obvious one. The magnetic field. Um, there's lots of things like that. Um, the, the fact that we could destroy ourselves at any minute with our, with our nuclear power. Um, there's lots of signs. There's lots of prophecies in the Bible that are coming true. And Jesus said, when these things happen, then you know, you know it's, it's near the end. So I, I, I personally think we're very close to the end of the age. I do think there's going to be one, one last opportunity for people to either, either accept Jesus or reject him, because I, I think that's the key. I, be, I believe like Jesus a, was. Like a supernatural revival? Yeah. And that's what I'm about. That's what I'm doing now. That's what my work Similar to what happened in the 60s where all of these hippies got saved and uh, they became Jesus freaks. And, <laughs> the Jesus and, movement. Uh, that's the really Jesus. kind of who's running the church today, old Jesus freaks. <laughs> well, you're, 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 yeah, you're right. Um, that, that, that's where I, we got all that music from too, right? Yeah. I think that will be part of it. I think that there's going to be, I call it another. Jesus freaks number two. Yeah. Only much bigger, much, much bigger. I think, I think, I think we're on the brink of seeing something. I didn't already see it happen in the seventies and the sixties. I would have never believed it, but I saw that and that was a miracle. You saw that. Yeah. Yeah. And I've studied awakenings all around the world and it's incredible when it happens. And Azusa street, uh, 1900, right. right? That was another miracle. That started. That's right. You know, that's the black right. Church. Yeah. And, the, and there's been there's been many like that all around the world. It's really just the presence of God turning up and changing the spiritual atmosphere over a city, over a nation. Um, and I think this is going to be global. I think God's, God's going to do something um, incredible. And he's been uh, doing this all along, like with the product, with the, um, the Episcopalians. Every time the new Protestant denomination came out, they were on the cutting edge of, of, uh, of uh, you know, preaching and, and uh, revival, et cetera, you know. Yeah, I mean, a, a, a great, if you want to see one across the nation would be the British Isles in, in the 1700s, the, the late 1700s, second half of the, of the 1700s, 18th century. Um, the, the, the state of Britain in that time was absolutely horrendous. They say that 25% of women in London, for example, were prostitutes. It was just, wow. it was just unbelievable degradation it was poverty there was there was abuse there was injustice all of that going on and the methodists were raised up now the methodists were wesley and whitfield yeah and the methodist method (laughs) was if someone believed in jesus and they had a horse and they had a bible they said off you go we want you to go out and share really what jesus is like unfortunately the church hasn't done a very good job at doing that we've circled the wagons and we, uh, haven't followed, we haven't followed the blueprint. Well, that's what, um, that's what they did, and Whitfield did, and they came to the States as well. And that changed the spiritual atmosphere because the Scriptures say that there's, there's something going on it's in the spiritual realm which blinds people's eyes. They just don't see it. You, you can talk to them until they're blue in the faith. They're not going to see it. Well, so that's that for sure. To, that has to be shifted. And this, 
So the best way of thinking about it is light and darkness. So when there's darkness, you can't see much, can you? <laughs> when you turn the light on, everything changes. And Jesus, yeah. Jesus said to his followers, is, you are the light of the world. Yeah. And he said, let your light shine before men. And that will show people what my love is like. Yeah. Not about denominations. It's not about, you know, it's just simply about wanting to show people what God's love is like. So when they and do the that, truth will set you free because there's not much truth out there and people are not free. That's right. That's, that's right. Absolutely right. They're, they're struggling. So what that did in the British Isles was it, it paved the way for Wilberforce. Now, you remember Wilberforce, William Wilberforce. He, he abolished, he was instrumental in abolishing slavery in, in the British Empire. But it wasn't just that. He changed all the civility. It was so many things they brought in through Parliament. So things happened in the spiritual realm, and then things changed in the natural realm. Wow, I had no right? idea. And that's so. And that's what we're going to. I believe we're going to see across America and across the world. There's going to be a tsunami wave of God's love, um, uh, helping people to come to the truth, helping people to throw off the things that are ruining their lives, um, transformation, justice. Another well-known revival was in uh, Awakening was in Wales in, in 1904, uh, the Welsh revival. And they, they reckon that a quarter to a half a million people came to faith in Christ in over a two-year period. And it transformed society. <laughs> well, the, 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 um, the pubs were empty. The, the, the uh, jails were empty. Uh, unbelievable uh, transformation. Uh, of people coming back to how God wants us to be, which yeah. is to love. Today to they're love. shutting the bars down, but for different reasons. And we're in yeah. the jails, but for different reasons. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. You're trying to imitate God, I guess. Yeah. I, I, I something like that. So, so that, uh, you know, it's it, the end of the day, this is about love because God is love. And it's, it's wanting people to come, come to an understanding really. I mean, Jesus showed us, <sighs> People aren't interested in religion so much today, but they are interested in Jesus. Yeah. If you talk to them about Jesus and how he lived and what he lived for, wow, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. And that's, that's, if you're following Jesus, that's what you're here for. You're here as his ambassador. You're here to, to share with other people about, about his love and about his grace. And that's the thing that's got Jeannie and me through. We're now back in love now. Um, is God's grace, which is really the life of Jesus. It's the life of Jesus in us, made real to us by the third person of the Godhead, which is the Holy Spirit. So it's a great message of hope, it's a living hope. How can people get a hold of your book and buy it and find out more about you? So you can get, you can get it on Amazon. So it's now, as I say, an Amazon bestseller. Uh, you can get it, um, information about it at livinghopebook.com. Uh, our ministry um, that I was I started is called AwakeningToGod.org, and I'm just I've just been appointed a, a, the executive director of a ministry called Prayer at the Heart um, .org. Um, and so you'll you'll hear more and more of that I've only just started this thing more and more of that in the in the coming weeks and months. So yeah, love to hear from you, especially if you're struggling. We have Facebook groups. We have so over 650,000 followers on Facebook, and uh, we're just about to start Zoom calls. There's going to be a prayer, a prayer line started shortly, and we're here to help. We're here to, to bring comfort and bring hope. Right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. And uh, like says, this show and all our shows become recorded podcasts, 
And uh, you can reach me at caregiverdave.com. In fact, I have a new book coming out, Secrets from the Hammock, Uncommon Wisdom for Uncommon Times. And uh, that is on pre-sale right now. You can go to Amazon and type in Wisdom from the Hammock. And do me a favor, reserve your copy today for 99 cents until we raise the price back up to normal. And it should be out pretty soon. And I will be doing the audio version after my voice returns to normal. (laughs) But thank you so much for coming back on the show. And uh, sorry, there was some confusion with uh, getting you on. And uh, all my listeners out there, thank you. We'll see you next time. Same time, same channel. Bye-bye. I'm so sorry for this. Is it COVID, do you think? Or, or no, actually... I tested two negatives, so it's not COVID. It's just a strep throat that I've got to go get some uh, penicillin to uh, wipe it out. It's an antibiotic, yeah, yeah. you know. Would, would, you, would, you, would you mind if I get a sort of prayer for you? Would you I would uh... love it if you would pray for me. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, yeah, let me, let me just do that. So, Lord, thank you for Dave. Thank you for what he's doing through the airwaves. And, Lord, I just... just feel for him with his strep throat. I just want to pray for healing. Lord, we, we, we stand on your promises in Scripture that through Dra- Jesus' stripes we've been made whole. So would you, would you heal him, Lord, I pray in Thank Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Yeah, sure. Our featured speaker is a best-selling author who has written numerous books and articles. He's a speaker, life coach, and host of Dave, the Caregiver's Caregiver radio program. He frequently appears on television and radio shows all across the country and has even shared the stage with Suzanne Summers at Harvard. But his most important role is caregiver to his beautiful wife, Charlene, for over 22 years. Please welcome Mr. Dave Nassani! I want to share with you a love story. In a couple of weeks, my wife and I will be celebrating 44 years of being together. My wife, Charlene, and I had a fairy tale, storybook, romance, courtship, and marriage for the first 21 years of our lives together. One day out of nowhere, my wife has a headache, the headache of her life. She suffered a massive stroke and it left her severely speech impaired and paralyzed on the right side. And in that moment, our world turned upside down. I gotta tell you, the next two years was like a living hell. I just just didn't didn't know what to do. do. I felt guilty most of the time. I became a caregiver. I didn't even know what a caregiver was. I was experiencing the same problems that other caregivers experienced. If you don't take care of you, I can't take care of her. That's why I wrote the book. Now I can teach other caregivers. I'm living proof that you can thrive as a caregiver. My wife and I travel now all over the world sharing our story. One day life is gonna call upon you to be the captain of your boat. Heck, you might be saving your own life. Thank you. Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing Don't